Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, April 28th, 2020. I'm Gavin Pickin, Older Solution Developer, and I've got Brad Wood with me. Welcome. What? Where? Where'd he go? The guy <laughs> owes me money. <laughs> it's been a I've while, been, Brad. I know. I've been I've been watching the TV show Psych with my daughter. It's on uh, on Amazon Prime, and every time Sean Spencer introduces himself, he gives his friend Gus like a silly name. And I just I swear I thought you were going with that, but I guess I guess no. <laughs> no, we can try that next time. <laughs> come up with latin names like the wily coyote stuff yep okay well before we get started we just want to thank our sponsor so auto solutions is uh behind this podcast and uh they're doing a lot of work to to make sure we can spread the word about everything cfml and try and grow the community uh and one of the ways that they're doing that is actually doing live training so a lot of live training in person usually but right now uh online training is where it's at uh, so if you guys are looking for live training from uh, anything related to Cold Fusion, basically, we have a lot of courses made up for Cold Box, Command Box, Content Box, Test Box, uh, you name it, uh, we have the training. And if there's something special that your company needs as well, we can actually do that a la carte. So um, you can get basically the, the creators of the box product themselves coming to teach your team. So if you'd like to do that, uh, we can do that online. We can schedule schedule that for you. Uh, and obviously, once travel and everything returns, uh, we can do it in person at your site or at a site uh, of your choosing. So, like the beach, <laughs> everyone's going to be going. Let's go on a cruise ship. Let's do I, it there. I am. I am totally down with like a cruise ship training. I'm just going to throw that out there. Once, once this COVID nineteen stuff is over, we do like a cruise with your development team. We train you on cold fusion and the water slide on the top deck. It's, it'll be great. Yeah, make it happen. That's, that'll be a pretty good one. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we also want to thank our Patreon supporters as well, because uh, right now we're about uh, almost 50% funded for these podcasts from Patreon supporters. Woo-hoo. So, What uh, happens when we hit 100%? Like, do we actually buy the studio that's in the virtual studio in the background for real? Good question. Uh, maybe we can get some of those upgrades we've been wanting. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so right now we're almost 50%. Um, so uh, everything that basically gets committed to our patreon account goes towards uh funding this podcast and then once we hit that 100 percent, then the next project will be you know command box forge box or other tasks like that that we're we're aiming to to keep improving on so all of the patreon support goes to this podcast and our open source products and, and movements so we thank everybody for that and if you want to find out more you can go to patreon.com slash auto solutions and find out about our interesting packages and you know find one that works for you and thank you to everyone who signed up lately we've had a bit of a, a push lately so i really appreciate that excellent yes thank you very much okay so what do we got today we sh- gavin well, we got some news. So uh, Eric has been working really hard and uh, got all the documentation for Quick 3 done. So now the beta has been released after a week or so in alpha. Don't you mean beta? Uh, however you want me to say it, because apparently I, like I always it. say it wrong. No, I like it when you say beta. Beta? Yeah. Yeah, my kids always tease me about saying pizza. <laughs> pizza? Like, yeah, pizza instead of pizza. Oh, yeah, I so. like that. I'm hungry now. Yep. Keep moving. 
anyway, so yeah, so Quick 3 beta has been released. Um, we're on track for uh, Into the Box release of the final, so uh, please get in there, try it out, um, check out the docs. If there's something missing, let us know so we can make those uh, improvements and changes. Uh, Eric said that uh, he wants to thank those brave souls who've been you know, testing the alpha as he's been building it, and uh, it's been fun, <laughs> though, because as we break stuff, we uh, we fix it, and so it's kind of neat to, to work on some of those projects with Eric, and uh, it's yeah, I'm really impressed with Quick 3. Uh, I really like the way it's worked. As um, I started using it in Quick 2, so I know that Quick 1 up to Quick 2 was a big jump, and Quick 3 has a lot of uh, really nice features now. So hopefully you guys can check it out and, uh, and really start to play with it. It is really nice to have people willing to be on the bleeding edge because getting that feedback loop reduced to you know a couple days after you put a bug in something is such a big difference from you release it as a final version and then people test it and they're like, oh, hey, you broke everything. Um, so kudos to those brave souls out there. Uh, and in case, just, I know we pick up new listeners all the time. In case somebody doesn't know what Quick is, if you're like, what, like the Quick of my fingernails? Like, what are you talking about? Uh, quick is a, is a purely cold fusion based ORM um, that's basically kind of nothing like the built-in Hibernate that's in cold fusion. It's very functional and it's copied from some uh, really clever uh, PHP frameworks and it's built on top of the QB project you may have heard of, which is Query Builder. So just in case you're like, well, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, Quick is an ORM, does all the database saves for you built on top of the, the Query Builder. So, Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and it is, it's, it's really nice to use. It's uh, um, just simpler um, and it does does really allow you to work quickly as well as the name says um and performance is pretty good too so i definitely recommend checking it out uh, it's definitely a step up and if you want to keep away from the hibernate stuff i think it's a, a great avenue for those who are you know wanting to stick closer to their queries because this still allows you to get into the queries but um does give you all those nice helpers and, and everything so definitely go check it out please and yeah give us that feedback Okay, we also have um, a new Autist book out there. Um, so CB Auth now has its own sort of docs on our Git books um, set up. And so um, thanks to Wilde Bruin Wilde, for doing that. Uh, he's been writing a few blog posts, which we'll talk about a little later, about uh, CB security. And a big part of CB security is how CB Auth works. And so um, he, he's worked with Eric to try and get that updated and and out there so um if you want to check that out um you can go to cbauth dot i think it's autosbooks.com i've just lost the yeah one. how many books do we have one two a three, lot four five six seven eight nine we have almost 30 different books a couple of these may be some internal ones but yeah we have quite a few yeah. books out there on GitBook. just for those who are watching so autosbooks.com you can come up here and you'll see uh, you know our commercial products our open source products um, the frameworks and then we've got books like the modern cfml in 100 minutes we also have books for a lot of our modules in here too and i don't even know if cb oh yep cobox was added to the list already so they they're on it dang we're fast yep well uh command box modules too so the fusion reactor command box modules dot emv so uh yeah a lot of great a lot of great content there so uh, if you don't know what book or where the books are go to autosbooks.com and we have everything there um that we have out and so uh, we've been migrating stuff over the years to to the quick the git books and we're pretty happy with the format and we're yeah it's got a lot of great stuff there and remember if you find typos 
or just anything missing, you can send pull requests to all these get books. So I love, love, love uh, pull requests of a docs because those are easy. I just look at it. I'm like, yeah, it looks good. Merge. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> I can merge those all day long. Yep. Uh, it's, it's definitely a big thing for when we do the Hacktoberfest. Uh, I always recommend people go there and just uh, basically dive into the documentation because I'm sure there's lots of bugs and issues. Whenever we do a, a big push, you know, things get missed or broken or bad copy paste or <laughs> you never know. So, okay. So, yeah, so definitely check that out. Again, thanks, um, Bill, for, for working on that. I know he's... Uh, been working through the CP security, trying to do the upgrade. And so all the notes he's making is really important and really helpful. So thank you for that. Okay. So next on the list, uh, apparently this, uh, this guy, Brad Wood, uh, he's going to be doing it's a webinar. Vood. Uh, Brad Wood. So, um, so Thursday, I guess two days away, you're going to be doing, um, command box five webinar so what's new command box five so are you just going to push play on all your little videos you've been releasing yeah lately? i've got the i got the youtube playlist pulled up all the screencasts i'm going to hit play and i'm going to go out and grab lunch and it's going to be great <laughs> it, it, it'll be a lot of overlap in the in the same content but just um kind of all in one place and you guys can ask questions and have some interactivity so that's cool. So yeah, so that'll be April thirtieth, eleven a.m. Eastern. So uh, say it like it's a long time from now. It's like in two days. Oh, it's. I'm just looking how early it is. I have to get up and be ready at eight a.m. to watch you. What GMT negative <laughs> five? It's at negative five o'clock, Gavin. That sounds really early. It does sound early, but um, yeah. So if you guys haven't registered, uh, go to autosolutions.com/events slash webinars to register for that, and then you'll get an email, link, and calendar reminder, etc. Too. So I think we should do like a, a vote where people all vote what I should have in my virtual background. And I have <laughs> to put put up there, whatever, whatever the highest vote is too much fun. Yep. <laughs> so that, uh, that webinar is going to be, um, on this Thursday and then right following that, uh, May 5th. So next week we actually have another webinar from John Farrar. So he's been working on this cold fusion community education, 2020 and beyond movement. He's got a Slack channel you, on community. You, you said it, you said it wrong. It's like to infinity and beyond. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta sell it, Gavin. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and John Farrar says your virtual background should be no JS. Oh, come, <laughs> come on, John. Don't do that to me. So, but speaking of John, um, yeah, so he's, he's been working on this, uh, community education movement. And so the goal is basically to work together. And as he says in, on the, on the registration page, working together, isn't about taking on mega projects. It's about breaking projects into micro solutions, just like our software. We need to race like the tortoise and make valuable, steady progress together. We can accomplish more than we have before. So, uh, this is the second webinar he's done. Um, it's basically to get the team together to talk about, you know, different approaches because most of the training he's saying with cold fusion is all around cold fusion and it's sort of missing the interconnected pieces like Vue.js and ColdFusion or Docker stuff with ColdFusion. And so, you know, he says orders can't do it all, you know, and uh, there's obviously training from everyone else, but he's trying to get more integrated training out there so if people can work together. Uh, you know, that's where we're at with the, the sort of the planning stages to figure out what's, what's important, what's needed, and how you guys can approach it. And so mm. the webinar, May 5th, 7 p.m. Eastern or 4 p.m. Pacific, um, and you can register and I'll send the link for that one there as well. 
Um, but you know, we can't do it all. But if you feel guilty about doing it, not doing enough, you can put a dispensation into our Patreon account and we'll have a <laughs> word with the guy upstairs. Just put that out there. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, so yes, yeah, so that webinar. So a couple of webinars this week. And then, um, if you guys want to see more of Brad, cause you know, we've missed him lately on the podcast. <laughs> He's yeah. been, uh, producing these command Bot five screencast series and the last two this week. Um, that I saw were the fusion reactor for the CLI and the new commands and sort and unique. Did that one uh, come out already? Yeah, those were last last two, uh, Thursday and today. Jeez. And so I auto I auto scheduled these at the beginning of the month. I've already like lost track of the order that came in and yep, oh, yeah, so, there we go. Yep. So fog lobbing, server style optimization, undertow options, tuning web server max requests, and loose extension management, get access tokens and library updates have already been released. So they're all available. The links are in the show notes. I'm going to link the latest two in the show, uh, in the chat here for everyone who's watching live. Um, and then, yeah, you can go, uh, there's a little playlist on the orders, um, YouTube channel. So after the show, don't jump out now. Uh, you can go and check them all out. Uh, and there's more coming out. So how many more do you have left? A couple more? How many did you Sorry. make? Um, I made 10 of them. And so I think actually this Thursday will be the last one. So there's one more. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. So if you watch that one on Thursday, if there's mm. anything missing, you can tell Brad, hey, answer this in the webinar. So dang that this month went by fast. There's actually a little fix I made in command box so that the, um, the last, so the last screencast would work. And I thought to myself, well, I'll have all month to put out the next version of Command Box, so that's out by then. <laughs> that's in two days. <laughs> so you better hurry up. <laughs> I, I should I should cut Command Box four point one or no uh four. Geez, where am I? Last year five point uh one two. I don't know. Whatever I'm at, add one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five point something. <clears throat> actually, I actually have a release almost ready to go. We're just kind of we're polishing off some some edges on it, so. Sounds good. Okay. Well, we have a reminder about the state of the CF Union 2020 survey. Um, please go vote for that. We got the link here to the Tech page where you can go and fill out that information. It's really important um, for everybody in the Cold Fusion community uh, to know what people are using and how they're using Cold Fusion and you know what we can do to improve and what tools are uh, important. And so if you guys check that out. That'd be great. And there are some partial results already. Um, mm -hmm. So definitely go check that vote, out. It's really vote interesting. Early and often, as I always say. Uh, there have been 472 responses to the State of the CF Union 2020, which is a pretty good number. Now, I think we could do way better than that, but that's on par with what we usually do. That's pretty good. But yeah, I mean, we have, what, 3,000 plus people I, on the CFML Slack channel. So yeah, I know get some more of them out there. Um, but I mean, there's some really interesting stuff this year and I'm, I'm still serious about wanting to do the trends. One of the really super interesting things is the, like the very first question. Um, of course, you know, you always have to add the disclaimer, right? This is out of the respondents that filled out the survey. So it's, you know, it's a subset of all cold fusion users. Um, but for the first time, <clears throat> I believe in history, the state of a CF union shows Lucy, um, one of the Lucy versions having more users than cold fusion. Uh, and we even broke out Lucy to 5.0, 5.1, 5.2, 5.3. So that actually, if anything, reduced the individual, you know, lines. But Lucy 5.3 uh, has 214 respondents say they're using it. And the next closest graph is uh, Cold Fusion 2016 with 202. So that's like, there's some super interesting 
stuff in these partial results. Um, and that's that's the first year I think we've seen a Lucy version outpacing Adobe out of the people who filled out the survey. But anyway, yeah. we, we'll have to do some more coverage on uh, on the results in an upcoming podcasty thingy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think it's very interesting, and uh, not everyone goes through and like analyzes it as much as you do. But like, yeah, I really want to see this, the trends. I want to see what things have done over time. Cause like you say, to see those versions going up and down, uh, I think it'd be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Okay. Well, next we get to talk about conferences, and the very next week we have a conference of our own. So into you the. Do? Into the box, 2020. Tell me about this. The virtual online conference. <laughs> so next Thursday and Friday, May 7th and 8th, um, Into the Box is going online. Um, the conference tickets are available, still available. We're, we actually got a pretty good number of sales already. So thank you everyone who's already purchased. Um, and you know, if you're still wanting to buy them, you can get to them at intothebox.org. Uh, you can see all the sessions, the speakers, uh, and we even have a series of blog posts going out about the speakers as well. So if you can find out a little more about the speakers, uh, the Into the Box site and the, the Auto Solutions site are having those too. So you can find out a little more about uh, Brian Class, Javier, and I think um, we got a couple more in the blog section we'll, we'll mention there as well. Right. So. And, the, and the tickets cover the live stream as well as the recordings, right? Exactly. Yep. So if you can't even make it because you're busy working, because you know some of us still got to work, um, <laughs> then <laughs> then you can watch them all later. Uh, we're gonna try and get them turned around as fast as possible for everybody so they can uh, check them all out. But um, it's basically the same schedule as was gonna be in person. So it's gonna be two tracks, um, and then you'll actually have um, three day. Uh, sorry two tracks available for two days. And so you can basically pick one of the two sessions at each, each point during the day. And they're basically going from, I believe nine in the morning till five at night. And that's all central time. So some of us are going to have to get up a little early. <laughs> yes, you will. So the keynote will be live, um, streamed live for free. So we'll be doing that. Uh, and then every other session you'll need the special password to get in. So if you sign up, you'll be sent that so you can get into that. And we're doing it through zoom. So you can have the you know ability for asking questions. We can actually unmute microphones and ask questions and raise hands, etc. So we're trying to make it the most interactive we can. Uh, and as we mentioned last week on the show, uh, we're working with a company to try and get a virtual uh, set up as well for the conference. So you can go hang out in rooms and just chat with people and, uh, and do those types of things. So I know they had the meeting last week. They're trying to get that finalized. So you might just have to wait and see for that one. Uh, and then the, the cool news is, is we actually have the online, uh, store now has into the box swag. So yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. Box life. Yep. So a little box life store here. Uh, if you scroll down a little bit, you can see that we got the amazing back into the box shirt uh, design here. So if you come in here, you can see the design. Uh, we got, you know, women's design, men's design. We got hoodies. Um, there's a couple of different options. So you can find find whatever matches you. We've already got some that they're not even available. So uh, I know that we're uh, with a physical conference. We give a lot of swag out. Uh, we've reduced the price on a lot of things. Um, with a, the online conference. So uh, I think the swag is optional at this point. Um, so go check that out if you guys want to. So, but I have a great design on our shirts. We do love our shirt designs. Ismi uh, does a great job. And I think, I'm not sure if Sonia helped with this one as well, but <clears throat> we have some quality artists and the shirts are pretty neat. So yeah, I like the design this year. 
back into the box. I'd like to work somewhere into the keynote, like 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> Great, Scott. I don't know. We'll yeah, see what we can do. Or at least you know, crash Scott Steinbeck session. I say, Great, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Great, Scott Steinbeck. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, <clears throat> so yep. So, um, into the box 2020. Go to intothebox.org for all the information. Check out the sessions, uh, etc. The speakers, and then uh, we'll see you next week. And if you can't wait till then, we have the previous ITB years videos on sale. So we have the 2018 package and the 2019 package. They're 9.99 for each package. So if you uh, want to jump in and grab those, and those are on uh, our Vimeo on demand setup. So we'll send those links out um, in the show notes as well. So you guys can get those and workshops. Yes. Workshops will be uh, announced afterwards. So we'll be doing the workshops coming up after the conference. So in the next few weeks after that, we'll probably schedule uh, one every two or three weeks. So you go from there. Okay. So we got a few funny guys in the chat. Nice to see you guys. are having a good time. <laughs> the peanut gallery. Yeah. I like to call them exactly okay so after our conference next week may 7th and 8th we also have adobe <coughs> confusion developer week so may 18th through the 22nd they're going to do an online uh, developer week and basically the majority of the sessions from cf summit east are now going to be in the adobe confusion developer week so if you were going to attend you're not going to miss out because they have everything available online and instead of doing one day, all the sessions back to back, like uh, a normal conference, they decide to spread it out over five days and do just two sessions per day. So it'll be like a morning and afternoon session for each of the, uh, the talks. And the same great speakers are going to be there. So uh, I know Luis is going to be speaking there and Charlie's going to be speaking there. There's a lot of great content uh, as well as the Adobe team as well. So uh, definitely check that out. And so you can go to a really long URL and I'm just going to paste it in the chat and we'll have it in the show notes. Um, but if you go to the confusion.adobe.com portal, there's a big link to be able to go register for that. So that's probably the easiest way to get there. Uh, it is free, um, but do register online so you can get access to the, the webinars as they come out. And then afterwards you'll get the recordings as well. Okay. DockerCon Lite live, not light. <laughs> DockerCon <laughs> live. <laughs> well, it's it is a little edition. Yeah. But uh, normally DockerCon's a huge event. So this year uh, they're doing a one day, um, three streaming channels. So you can jump between. So one day, three tracks on May 28th between 9 a.m. and uh, 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. And so they're going to be setting that up. Uh, that is all free too. Um, so you can go check that out. Um, a lot of great content. They're going to have a. Uh, Docker experts on the live hallway track and their idea is that they're going to pre-record the sessions so that way the speakers can actually answer questions in the chat as the the video is playing so that's a different approach than uh, i've seen uh, you know most conferences that do online um but might be kind of good so we might need to take notes and see if that works and for our, our future uh, webinars and whatnot it might be good so that is DockerCon live and you can go to docker.com slash DockerCon. And I'm going to paste that in the chat for everybody there too. So you can go register for that. CF Summit West is going to be October 28th and 29th at the Mirage Hotel in Vegas. If everything's going well with the pandemic, um, I know the event is up there. You can get more information at cfsummit.adobeevents.com. When did they um, announce this? I actually hadn't seen this 
Yeah. See, if you were watching the podcast, you would have learned. But no, I was they busy had, last <laughs> week when you had Luis on. No, they had um, they had released it on the site, so they haven't done a big press release. They haven't done a, you know anything too major about it. But I see the site is up. The dates are there, um, and so they they're basically not publicizing it very much. But I want to let everybody know if it goes ahead as scheduled, this is when it will be. Um, there is information. I even registered, so I clicked. Yeah, the they had. They have a list of sponsors. Is this the current list or is this last year's sponsors? Um, I'm not sure. I know that some of the speakers talked about last year. So, Order verb- Solutions is on the list. <laughs> so It might be last year's. <laughs> or- uh, I mean, yeah, it has the 2019 list of speakers. Yeah. So, uh, so is there any pricing? Uh, I couldn't tell. I went and registered, but um, because I've been posting so much to the portal, I think I get a free ticket. So I'm well, not no. Sure. I just did the same thing. I went to the registration link and I was already logged into the Adobe portal and it said, click here to register. So I clicked and it said, okay, you're registered. I'm like, <laughs> like no, no cost. So yeah, I'm kind of curious. Yeah. So they haven't set it up yet. Or yeah, what. I think once everything clears up with the pandemic, they'll make an announcement and then everything will be finalized. So um, just bookmark those dates just in case uh, that's, that's sort of yeah. the key takeaway here, and we'll find out more as, as they know more. Um, well, hopefully it's able to happen. It'll probably be one of the first conferences I'll be able to go to since this all started. So, Yep, and CF Camp, we're still waiting, obviously, because uh, a lot of things going on in Europe, yeah. and this pandemic is kind of crazy. So, uh, And you can find out more conferences by going to comps.tech, and they have a whole bunch of different ones, uh, different locations, different languages, technologies. Um, I'm not sure if they do the online ones. I should, we should probably check on that, but anyway, so that's your conference breakdown there. Um, so a lot of good content coming this month. May is going to be a pretty busy one. So, uh, hopefully you're not planning on getting too much work done, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, next week. I never plan on getting any work done. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So next up we have some blogs, tweets, and videos of the week and what oh, this Brad Wood guy again. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So yeah, so obviously uh, you released a couple of videos this week we mentioned earlier. So uh, we have the one for Fusion Reactor for the CLI. Uh, So you can see how to use your Fusion Reactor license to monitor CFML code you run inside your CLI for task runners or native CLI commands. So this is pretty Mm -hmm. neat. So um, yeah, it's fun. Um, I I, I dug into the API. Ben Nadell had blogged on this recently. Um, Fusion Reactor has, you know, an API where you can call Java methods and you can kind of like create your own transactions that are sort of just, you know, arbitrary to your code, you know, transaction XYZ just started, it just stopped. And you can, you know, view them inside the, the web UI, just like you would web request. So if you have a, a Fusion Reactor license for your local computer, you can actually, you know, plug the, the Java agent of a license into the CLI itself, not a web server, but just the actual command line console and then when you run a command like install call box you can actually see that command as a transaction you can see the http calls that were made you can see how long it took you can profile the threads um and so if you're doing stuff with like task runners that you write and you run um and you want to profile maybe they're doing database calls you can do all of that just right inside the cli with your fusion reactor license it's, it's pretty cool so yeah that's what the the uh, screencast was that came out today i believe yeah Pretty cool. Okay, so next we do have one from Ben Adel, and this one is a one about using graphics magic again. He's continuing on that little series. I'm going to share my screen so we can uh, always check out the Ben Adel pictures. 
but um, also he has the videos and a lot of these now he's doing a video to make it more explanatory. So definitely check these out if you don't have time to read everything. Uh, the videos are pretty neat. Um, but basically this one here, he's talking about taking an image and making it uh, semi-transparent so we can overlay the image a certain way. And so he just talks about uh, that operator. Uh, and so it's got the little, you know, the command line tool and tells you how to use it. So if you guys are looking for some more power and your graphics tools, this graphic magic is pretty neat. And so he's got a lot of uh, different functionality and I think quite a lot more than uh, the built-in stuff has actually. Uh, and it's pretty neat. And we talked about the process builder um, setup that you talked, you showed him on Twitter. So he's got some blog posts about that as well for, for sharing that. So, um, you know, a lot of good code, a lot of good examples, and the videos really make it easy to to get to the bottom of it. So if you guys are looking at using Graphics Magic or another tool for image manipulation, definitely check this out. Um, the semi-transparent stuff, or if you want to use, like, create watermarks or, or just layer things, it's pretty neat. Okay, so this is a one from... Steve Nealon, he's been away from ColdFusion for quite a while, working on some other projects, and he was back playing with Command Box and Tearspots. Yeah, spots. I haven't seen Steve in a while. Yep. So actually, it's been a long time since I've seen him in person. This probably been might have been one of the last safe objectives. Yeah, that's the last time I've seen him. I'm not sure. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't been around online, so it's nice to see him talking about ColdFusion again. Yeah, so he was uh, he ran into this era that a lot of people ran into with. Um, with the latest version of Java and Lucy not being able to load an agent dynamically with 5.2.9. And so this is a really stable version, but uh, the version of Java messed it up as you explained here. So, um, you know, he was showing you how to start a different engine and most people using command box are familiar with the CF engine equals, and then you choose what version you want to run. But um, the thing I thought was interesting, he's, he showed you how to create a default global engine. So you can actually use your box config set server.defaults.app.cfengine. And then this way, basically, if you don't define a CF engine on the, the box start, it'll default to this one if there's not one in the server to JSON. And so that way, if you guys are, you know, using the same one everywhere, maybe you're using Adobe all the time and you always want to use Adobe 2018, you could set that up as your, your default. And so... Yeah, what's yeah. actually cool is uh, every single thing that you can set in a server.json file, you can set in the server.defaults.insert setting name here. So yeah. CF engine or port, or a port's probably a bad example. You wouldn't want all your servers on the same port, but, you know, JVM settings, um, you know, host names, and any of those things can all be set at a default level. Yeah, I like that. I mean... I know with Lucy, when it first came out, one of the big selling points was you can default your settings for like CF locations. To, you know, <laughs> yeah, to, global defaults are nice. Yeah. And all sorts of things. That's yep. a feature Adobe really needs to pick up. That's a pretty handy one. Yeah, I know that, you know, some, some little well, things that, yeah, really make it handy just having a, a more user-friendly default for some of yeah. that without the breaking back. The feature Gavin was just talking about was in Lucy, where in your application at CFC, you can do this dot tag dot name of cold fusion tag dot name of attribute equals so like this dot tag dot cf location dot add token equals false you put that in your application at cfc and lucy and every single cf location tag now defaults their add token to false uh it's a really cool feature along the same vein as command boxes config defaults yeah and it's just a nice feature to have and being able to control that uh, is, is definitely good so Okay, so as I mentioned, we uh, also have some 
some blog post series. So we have one about um, on Sam Knowlton. We have one on Brian Class. We have one on Javi Javier Quintero. Um, Quintero. Yeah, Quintero. Um, so we got a lot of good blog posts out there. Uh, they got some interesting facts too, so you can find out uh, which of these guys have been, uh, you know, arrested for wearing a kilt. Or <laughs> I saw uh, that come across Twitter. So, so one of our one of our speakers had gotten pulled over wearing like a kilt and a red jeep or something. I was like, that's oddly specific. Yeah. And so so yeah. So we got a, uh, quite a few blog posts there, and someone mentioned in the chat too that we had one on Michael Bourne um, previously as well. So if you go check out the Into the Box site, uh, you can check those out there. Um, just for those watching, I'll show you here. So the blog post, and if you go to the news, you'll see uh, all the recent blog posts here. So there's uh, again. Uh, one with Tony, Michael Bourne. So yeah, there's some new ones being released every day. We're trying to get as much info as we can out before next week. So thanks, Paulina, for jumping on that. She's uh, in charge of our marketing. She's doing a great job. So thank you for that. Sweet. Okay. So then uh, we have a little one here from Pete Freitag. He likes to share little snippets of code he's used over time. And so this one here, he's got a code snippet about... Uh, dumping out your servlet um, attributes. Oh, somebody was asking about this in Slack the other day. That must be why he put this out there. Yeah, so it's just a little snippet, uh, and it basically dumps your server servlet request attributes or parameters. And so it's just a little bit of code here. He loops through, um, has more elements for the <coughs> HTTP request. Um, so it's kind of neat. Um, but yeah, just a little little snippet if you need it and uh, this will do the yeah, job the use the use case that i assume prompted this um because he had just shared this in slack like two days ago or yesterday uh somebody had asked when they were using the tucky rewrites that are built in the command box if there was a way to access the original url before it was rewritten um and pete had, had thrown a chunk of code like this out there because one of the one of the attributes that's you know stored inside the the java servlet is was you know an attribute that shows what the original url is that tucky said in there um, so normally, you know, cold fusion wraps up the stuff you need inside like the CGI scopes. So you, you really have to dip down into the servlet, into the servlet, but this is essentially where all this stuff comes from the slow level stuff. So that's a nice little, I mean, it's a super short post, but it's a great little thing to, if you're like, oh yeah, what's the code to do that? You can bookmark this and come back to it. Yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, stick it out there and so Google can find it. And then, yeah, I'm sure it'll help a lot of people. It's, it's funny how we have all these little snippets of code all over the place, but post them to a blog post and everybody can use them, you know, and you can find them that way too. Cause you probably forget you wrote it later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of, you still have uh the Samuel Knowlton's I, you know, the box post up, I think. Oh, I do. Oops. Oh, okay. It just changed. So we're just behind. Okay, so um, we also have the Adobe Cold Fusion Developer Week 2020 blog post from Terratech. Uh, so this one sort of rolls through it and gives you a breakdown of the, the history of, uh, you know, the different things in the session. So here you can see all the sessions. So they just wrote a little description up there. So if you guys want to find out more about that, Terratech has a great uh, blog post to sort of spell it all out. And as we mentioned, we've got, um, you know, a lot of good ones from Zoo, uh, Bruno's going to be there, Luis, Arakshif, Brian Class, Dave Ferguson, Pete Freitag, Charlie Earhart, Brian Sappy, uh, as well as a, a couple from the CF team as well. So I see Dave Watts will be there as well. So, yeah. So if you want to find out a little more, the Tier Tech article has it. And 
Uh, I think Adobe even has some more on the, the portal side as well. Okay, we also had your other video. So, new commands, sort and unique. Um, mm -hmm. and didn't you write that when we were on site this year for, with the client? Yeah, yeah. Right, right before everything got shut down for the COVID-19, you and Eric and I were out in San Diego on site with a client. And I was doing some silly little stuff, trying to parse through a bunch of HTML and find all the image tags with some regular expressions. Um, so, of course, I used command box to do it, you know, combining the, the said command, the inline replaces and the grep command. And I wanted to be able to get a unique list of all the files that were missing that I, we needed to go copy over from somewhere. And so I wrote a sort and a unique command modeled after the similar commands in bash that inside of command box allows you to take a, <clears throat> a file, you know, and sort all the lines or condense all the unique lines down. They're you know, very simple, but handy little helpers that make command box a bit more productive for you. And that's what I cover in the, in the screencast. And I also talked about a little something, something I added to the grep command, which is something that bashes grep command does. Um, you can add a count attribute. And instead of just fill, because what grep does is it takes, you know, lines of output and you give it a regular expression that filters only the lines that match the regular expression. It's kind of like a, the find command in Windows. Um, then the count parameter just reduces that down to the, the number of matches. So if you were, you know, searching through a giant file and you wanted to know how many lines match the regular expression, you just add the count flag to the end. It says, you know, 100 or whatever the number is. So cool. Yep. Yeah. Little things like that, you know. Quality of life improvements are always good. <laughs> as, as, as a Windows developer, Command Box kind of is my shell. You know, I don't have Bash available to me. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily care for a lot of the, um, uh, like the SigWin and where they're kind of like the Bash and Windows Bashes, largely just due to their handling of the file system is, is the most annoying thing to me. I haven't found a good Windows-based kind of Bash replacement that makes the file system as easy to handle. So... I kind of just live in command box and I add the useful stuff to it that it misses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, yeah, I don't notice all the pain points that people complain about windows cause I'm using command box. Like you say, it definitely replaces a lot of it and yep. Okay. So next on the list, we have another blog post from Benny Dow and this one here. <coughs> oh, look, Kevin McCabe. Haven't seen him in a while. Hope he's doing well. What? Um, but oh, the picture in the blog post. I'm like, yeah. where do you see Big Mad Kev? <laughs> but yeah, this one's talking about the default MySQL driver settings do not appear to truncate long text in Lucy. So uh, he's a uh, he's got a blog post, including a tweet. <laughs> but um, basically, what Ben was doing lately, if you haven't been watching, is he's been working on migrating his um, blog content out of a database into Markdown files, and you know he's been processing them all using all these techniques and a lot of blog posts have centered around it but um he says he felt like a amateur um because on cold fusion's um default settings for the mysql driver when you insert data into the database it allows you to insert as much as you want but when you pull it out it only pulls out sixty-four thousand characters so on some of his blog posts you know he has a tendency to have a long blog post so when he was reading them out of the database um the default was only pulling out sixty-four thousand characters and therefore when he did all his manipulation and did all his um you know work and then saved it as a markdown file he was missing some of his blog posts so um he basically talks about how uh that bit him and how he tested in Lucy using command box and figured out that that doesn't happen with the default driver on um, Lucy. 
for the MySQL. And that's interesting. I'd never noticed that. Um, I mean, because I've definitely done the exact same thing before, you know, where you're selecting really long chunks of text and you're like, oh, they're getting truncated at 64,000 K or characters or what, you know, whatever the limit is. Um, but I didn't realize that in Lucy, the driver defaulted it to being on. I mean, I think it's probably the better default. I mean, yeah. I, I know it's probably for your, for your protection. You know, if you're, if you accidentally query from some giant table and you just select star and there's some, you know, massive like Varkar max column, you know, you can pull back a ridiculous amount of data. But I mean, generally speaking, if I select it from the database, I want it. So yeah. um, that's kind of interesting. I'm curious if it's actually Lucy's doing or if the actual driver Lucy's bundling just happens to do it. I'm not actually sure. Yeah. Because okay. he mentions that the checkboxes in the interface are unchecked but it was still defaulting. Yep, it was pretty interesting. And so, I mean, he, he runs through, does some examples, spits out some code, does, you know, checks length and everything. Um, yeah, the values are turned off by default, but yeah, they still work. Well, so. the, the checkbox in the UI is turned off by default. What would be interesting would be to debug the actual JDBC URL behind the scenes that's being built. Um, because my first thought is, well, maybe there's just a bug in the JDBC URL has the flag to turn it on. The second thought is maybe the driver itself just flipped the default. Um, that would be interesting to, to, to dive into. Unfortunately, there's not a really good way I have found to be able to see the underlying JDBC URL that's generated by your data sources on the on the front end. Um, even Fusion Reactor doesn't show you, uh, you know, the full URL. I don't even know if it has access to it, to be honest. I think I asked about it. That's an interesting mystery. It's, it, it, it's, it's interesting twice because it's interesting that, oh, Lucy has enabled by default. And it's interesting second because, but why? <laughs> it doesn't look like it should be. It's yeah. a mystery. Very interesting. Yep. So, oh, yeah, and, and Charlie does have a good point that Adobe, he just mentioned in the chat here, Adobe doesn't even come with a MySQL driver bundled. You have to grab your own driver. Um, so it's entirely possible that it's just a matter of... Uh, of the driver. Uh, Charlie also says you can see the GDBC URL in the CF admin. Do you mean the Adobe Cold Fusion or do you mean the Lucy admin? Because I don't believe Lucy has a settings summary page like you're talking about. Right. Uh, I was right. So I was specifically talking about Lucy, um, not Adobe Cold Fusion. But that's that's a great tip that because uh, Lucy doesn't really have that page like Adobe has. Adobe uh, what Charlie's talking about in the chat. Um, Adobe has that kind of settings summary that basically just dumps out everything about your server, which is probably great for their support team. You know, we're like, hey, copy and paste the settings page. You know, all the jars are in there, the exact versions, the Java version, you know, all the data sources. Um, Lucy doesn't really have any such um, kind of just, you know, full dump of all the settings. But yeah, oh, that's that's really good to know, Charlie, that the, the full JDBC URL does show for Adobe Confusion. But as far as Lucy... I don't know that there's any way to see the URL. But anyway. Sounds like a ticket request there for Lucy to create that page. does. It makes me want to play with it because now I'm curious, but I have way too many things I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have time for another rabbit hole right now, even though I'm really curious uh, yeah. to get to the bottom of that one. Okay. We also have a, a video. Um, Matt Clemente again was doing a, a live stream last week. Uh, and so command box task runners, learning by trial and error part two. So uh, he's continuing. Uh, he's changed his day, I think, to Thursdays now. If you follow him on Twitter, you'll see his tweets come out um, before he does it. And um, he's 
building some nice little tools in there. I saw I even built a command box task, uh, command box command scaffold tool. I saw that up on ForgeBox too. So if you're looking to make yeah, that's your actually pretty cool. Tool, yeah, <clears throat> no, we, we've talked about building some more scaffold tools um, for modules, and we've just never really done it. The problem is, you know, modules are such a generic thing. You know, building a scaffold for a module was it a cold box module? Was it a content box module? Was it a command box module? Should it have commands? Should it have handlers? Should it have, should it have views? It's difficult to, to you know, to to create a scaffold for all the different use cases. Um, and uh, Eric Peterson had a really cool module template module um, we'd made a while. He had made a while back, uh, a couple of years ago now, several years ago, that created the Git repo and the Travis build and everything. Um, but we had never made a scaffold specifically for command box commands. Um, to be honest, whenever I made a command box command, I would usually just go copy the source to one of my other commands and just go through and replace everything. Um, but this is pretty cool that that Matthew Clemente has been working on that on a, on a scaffold for command box commands. Yeah, it's real simple. It just gives you the base uh, module config, and then it has a, a, um, one command with just some documentation, a little example of how the you know how your help text would should be written etc et mm -hmm. so nice little thing and then it has a link straight to the documentation so you can find out more about it which you know is always useful so yeah and and matthew's been coming across some he's some really interesting not bugs but enhancements and things well and he finds bugs too um as he's <laughs> doing this matthew just put in a Clemente just put in a ticket this week um pointing out that whenever you do tab completion on on commands custom commands you built or any commands the um the there's tab for Boolean parameters, like, you know, force. We also tab complete the dash dash no force, which, you know, sets it to false. And he pointed out that the help text is the same for both of them. And so we're like, oh, well, heck, we should, you know, we need to come up with some convention where the help text can, like, negate the sentence. So there's all kinds of interesting stuff that Matthew's been coming across and bringing up, which is uh, great, in my opinion, because he sends a lot of pull requests to fix it. Yeah, which is, <laughs> which is always, you know, appreciated. Cool. Okay. Well, you also had um, two blog posts from uh, Ville de Bruin. And so he's done, he started a little series on CB security. And so uh, the second one is a CB auth validator. And this is where a lot of the documentation came for that CB auth documentation that we announced earlier. Um, so he's walking through, um, you know, gives you a rundown, some nice, you know, setup, and he even has some examples. Um, on his GitHub account as well. So uh, he's really taking the time to really document this nicely. Um, so there's a simple app here on GitHub for CB validation. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different stuff in here. He walks through all the different pieces. So if you guys are looking at using CP security, definitely check out his series uh, as well. Uh, like I said, he's got an overview of CB security. This is a CB auth. Um, and he's you know trying to get that information out there too. That's pretty handy. I've, I've seen several people mentioning that kind of switching over to the new version of CB security was a kind of a giant change to figure out how everything worked. So, um, yeah. and Bill was one of them. So it's nice to see him putting some information out there to help demystify what it all does on top of the docs that we already have. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, it is a big step. We're really sort of trying to incorporate other modules. So CB security now ties in CB auth and it has the JWT stuff. And so, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in it. And so, you know, it wasn't obvious to him when he first went through, okay, it says CB auth, what's CB auth? <laughs> you know, like we need to have a little better link out, maybe as many descriptions without, you know, duplicating too much content, given the ability to get going. And so there was a <clears throat> blog post there 
uh, definitely a, a good starting point. And, you know, we appreciate the feedback. We're taking it and trying to improve everything there too. So I saw in the chat earlier, um, I think John was asking if we'd mentioned the, the command box VS code extension yet and if we can use task runners or not. Um, but speaking about that, Pete Freitag mentioned that now that we have the command box VS code extension, it's really easy to scan your CFML code with Fixinator. So that's his uh, product he has. Uh, and so he talks about how to set up Fixinator and command box, install the extension, update your box.json file um, with a little task, and then you can scan your code right from VS code there. Yeah, and so there, I actually was kind of completely unaware. I've been using VS Code for a while. I I was unaware that the VS Code has this concept called you know tasks, um, which are you know it was unrelated to command box task runners. It gets confusing when you have the same word multiple times. But in VS Code, you can have you know, like you know tasks off to the side that'll kind of you know click and run deals. And so one of the things that the command box VS Code extension does is it will automatically find all your package scripts in your box.json which can be, you know, arbitrary scripts of your design, like in Pete's blog post here. And it adds them directly into the little, you know, UI right there in VS Code. Um, and so as, as Pete's blog post is showing, he has a package script in his box.json, which the command box VS Code extension sucks in and shows as a little task in the VS Code UI and then click on it and run it. So um, I, I was like, the first time I saw it, I was like, wait, wait, what tasks? What are tasks? And I realized, okay, it's a VS Code thing. So this is a, this is a nice little... Uh, tie-in. I like this. And we tend to have package scripts in a lot of our projects, Gavin, too. Uh, stuff for like running CF Lint, stuff for writing, running the docs or running tests. You know, we'll, we'll just package those up as a nice little package script and yeah. you can run it with the run script command and command box or now with VS Code, click your mouse, which is pretty handy. Yeah. I mean, we'd use it for um, using CF format to check the format, formatting it a lot of different stuff and yeah so that's it's pretty neat so it's pretty cool that you can set up fixinate and as charlie said in the chat uh the extension and the tool are both really neat uh fixinate is really amazing i think didn't he announce it into the box last year so it's been out for a year now fixinator yeah mm, maybe i've lost track i think he did he um he talked about it um as part of the keynote i believe and he did a session on it as well i mean it's it's a really cool cool tool definitely want to check that out um very, very cool. So, okay. Oh, and Luis, uh, he chimed up. You can run your tests from the, <laughs> from the tests. If, if you have tests, that is. <laughs> Uh-oh, you're going to get yourself in trouble there, Brad. Um, if, well, so you guys need to make sure you're signed up for end of the box because Luis has some freaking awesome async stuff in cold box six that is going to blow your socks off. And he hit, and I, Luis gave me a little sneak peak of his presentation um and he's tying together like uh watchers and command box and package scripts and like vs code stuff and he's doing like this really cool live coding example um and it involves like running stuff in the command line it's, it's pretty sweet you guys aren't gonna want to miss that yeah he's really stepped it up in the vs code presentation mode he's gone he's gone vincat on us oh shh yeah. give away too much <laughs> You get a, you get a, you get a bait him, Luis. I hook him. You reel him in. Yeah, that's some pretty cool stuff there. So, okay, um, we also have a podcast too. So uh, this one is by Kai Koenig. Uh, he's actually made it into the box this year. Since we're not uh, actually in Houston, he's gonna check it out. But he's got a podcast um, as well called Code Cafeteria. So him and Miguel and 
uh, Lara, um, the friends that start this little podcast. And this one, episode eight, they're going to talk about dead technology. So it's going to feature, well, perceived dead technologies like COBOL, ColdFusion, CFML, Prolog, Visual Basic, and Java. Yes, even Java, he says. Mm. Um, So, yeah, so they're talking about it, perceived technologies, and it all started because of the whole COBOL (laughs) thing that came out of New Jersey government needing... Well, yeah, there's some like loan application app or something. I've been seeing it all over Twitter and they had like a cold fusion, you know, website and some cold ball back end. And of course, you know, it was having problems handling all the load of all the loan applications coming in. Um, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of people throwing shade at cold fusion. Like, oh, yeah, their site crashes because they're on cold fusion. Well, no, <laughs> I'm sure they may need they may need to do some performance tuning, but the fact that we're using Cold Fusion wasn't why the site crashed. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's at least thrust thrust some older technologies back in the the limelight, at least from what I've seen on Twitter. Yeah, and as uh, Luis is in, in the chat, Ruby too, because uh, I know Ruby's getting the whole Ruby's dead thing lately as well. Um, pretty interesting. You know, I remember back around 2008. When all the Ruby hipsters were looking down their nose at us, Cold Fusion people, <laughs> I'm a Ruby developer. <laughs> You're still developing Cold Fusion. <laughs> and now they're in the same place we were in 2008. Is yeah. There was, there was a big company here in town that were, you know, had a whole bunch of Ruby developers and stuff, and that company shut down. They, you know, now they're all doing work in different places, doing different things. But interesting. So, anyway, that, uh, yeah. That, yeah, the Code Cafeteria podcast is pretty neat. It's pretty fun. They talk so about. So, what is um, this Code Cafeteria? So it's just a, a podcast. Uh, Kai started with Miguel and Lara. Uh, so this um, is actually his podcast. Yeah. So he's he's a oh, German yeah. who's living in New Zealand, and mm-hmm. then um, his friends Miguel and Lara uh, from Spain who are now living in Germany, and they they met at a um, an Android conference. A while back, they do Flutter and, and different things, and Kai still does Cold Fusion as well. And so they just talked about different things. Uh, they cool. talked yeah, about I the Switch one day, Animal Crossing another, you know, <laughs> learning <laughs> communities. Yeah, I saw stuff. his tweet on this, and I assumed he was a guest on somebody else's podcast. This is pretty cool. It's actually a podcast he helped start. Yeah, well, it's just just something different, you know. It's pretty relaxed, and yeah, I, I've listened to a, a few of them. They were talking about the whole best development uh, OS as well, and they had the whole Mac, uh, Linux, Windows debate. And I almost <laughs> did a special episode with Kai talking about how Windows isn't as bad as everybody thinks it is, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, because they had some guy to come on there and talk about BSD, you know, as well and and stuff. So. You know, uh, CF Camp last year, one of the big sponsors was a company that sells Linux laptops. Um, Mm -hmm. And they had a whole session on, like, you know, using Linux for your development machine. It was really interesting. Maybe think of that. Yeah. I know. um, Is that the. I'm trying to think of the name of it. Dang it, it's gone now. The name of the company? Yeah. I don't don't remember. If I I heard it, I might remember. But I remember Kai talking about it, if I recall. I thought it was a tuxedo or something. They had little penguins with tuxedos, but I don't remember if that was. I I probably have my like conference stickers from CF Camp somewhere in my office that probably lists whatever the company name was. Yeah, but yeah. Okay, well, that wraps up our blog news for the week. Some good tweets and videos in there as well. Okay, so next we have find a job. So uh, a couple new jobs this week. Um, getcfmiljobs.com is listing 25 cold fusion positions now so the number's creeping back up again mm. 
So we have 21 companies across 18 locations in five countries. And the two new jobs this week are both in the States. So uh, Cold Vision developer in Oklahoma City. Uh, that would be Oklahoma. Oklahoma. <laughs> That's how I like to say it. And then uh, Cold Fusion developer Secret Clearance in McLean, Ooh. Virginia. That one Secret. sounds exciting. Secret Agent Man. Yeah, Tuxedo Computers. Yeah. Charlie just put the link in the chat. You're That's right. Cool. Thanks, Charlie. Yeah, and so, uh, so yeah, so a couple of jobs there. One of them sounds pretty spy-like. Um, so if you guys are looking for some work, that's a good way to check it out. Uh, GetCFMLJobs.com has quite a few jobs, and they scrape the, the listings from several providers. So This one in Oklahoma says they prefer familiarity with CFML or CFCs. I don't know that that's an or. <laughs> I know CFCs, but I've never touched CFML. <laughs> well, maybe they're talking about the old file extension. <laughs> uh maybe that's what they mean but i mean yeah. gosh i would i would hope you would know both of those but this is what happens when marketing teams put out the the job postings isn't it yeah not marketing uh hr hr, HR teams yep yeah. okay well, and navy is this one sorry I'm, I'm i'm still just geeking out and i'm reading all the little bullet points in here required 25 years of cold fusion experience no just kidding <laughs> yeah that'd be uh from the start because getting pretty old now <laughs> okay so let's John, talk about I like a... your, your your spies in disguise reference that was a, a cute movie i haven't seen that one yet somewhere yeah, it's, it's one where will smith gets turned into a pigeon he basically yeah. plays himself in cartoon character yeah and you know hilarity ensues uh tom <laughs> tom holland uh it's the other guy yeah voices. i know it looks like a good one we have to watch with the kids <laughs> Okay, so now we're up to our Forgebox module of the week, and this week we're going to be looking at one by Dan Card. And so this one is Commandbox ENV file. So this one's a pretty neat little wrapper of the property file functionality built into Commandbox, but it's all to deal with the .env files. So uh, it gives you certain functions you can show, um, and it accepts a folder and a file name, which is nice. You can uh, use everything other than the default but you can do mv file oh, show set get and then populate from example so the populate from example one's pretty neat because it'll actually accept the name of a uh, of a file and the example file you want to use so usually we recommend using .env.example and then what it does it loops over it and asks you for the uh, the input for each of the values so it actually asks you step by step for all the values I don't uh, think I saw this module yeah so How it's just this... a this Snuck was by you, put huh? up, oh, put up two days ago. Yeah. Well, it was published so on what, March 26th. Oh, no. That would a be. Month ago. Sorry. I saw the 26th and I assumed it was April, but you're right. That was a uh -huh. whole month ago. How did I miss this one? Yeah. So, what's interesting is Command Box already has a namespace called uh, Property File that has Property File Show Set and Clear, which most people don't even know that exists. Um, the pro the the three property file commands work similar to the server show set clear config show set clear package show set clear except for those three all operate in JSON commands. The property file namespace will let you operate in any property file, which is you know the, basically what the .env file is. So it's just you know yeah. a text file with key equals value, um, and it and it uses the the property file Java classes behind the scenes. But the property file namespace is pretty generic. You have to give it the name of the file every time. So this is kind of a clever idea 
you know, basically, I assume I didn't even know if you used the property file helper. Well, it's it. it it's a it's a module or it's a wrapper for the property file. Oh yeah, you're yeah. right. It says it right there. So it basically wraps that, but just by default touches the .env file. You know, I'm really tempted to say that this should this should be something that's wrapped into the .env extension. Like honestly, a, a module. You know, Eric's original module. This feels like it's should have just been a, a part of that. Yeah, and I'm, um, actually, when I was looking at it, I was wondering if Eric has any of the .env because .env has some cool stuff too. Like you can do the .env check and and everything. So there's functionality built into that .env. Yeah, you're right. I, f I forgot we already had commands in there. Yeah, so there's some in there, but I don't know if it does the the sitting. So um, that was hmm. an interesting thing. So I mean, because there's the check command, there's a check reverse, and that checks basically a .env versus a um, you know, the .env example and, and vice versa. Um, Populate from example is a, is a cool little handy thing. And that's yeah. all really a convention. You know, your .env file, you don't commit to your source code repo because you have secrets and passwords and things in there. But mm -hmm. with all of our projects, we'll have a .env.example file, which has all the keys, but just empty values. And normally it's up to you to, you know, make a copy of that file, rename it to be .env, which if you're on Windows is stupid because Windows is like, you can't do that, um, which is why I use command box for everything. Um, but this is, I mean, it's kind of nice. It gives a little like populate from example thing that just does all that for you. I like this. I think Dan and Eric should talk and maybe merge these. I mean, they don't have to. They can do whatever they want, but. Yeah, definitely a nice this is, little this, yeah, that's nice. adding. And then there's another one from Sean Daniels about um, .env settings. And that you know you can read secrets from EMVs into other settings. There's quite a few little .EMVs. There's the framework one .EMV that Tony did. So a couple little EMV ones are out there already. But yeah, I thought it was a, a nice little module and uh and worth you know showing. Just I say we've been doing a lot of that with all our Docker things lately. EMVs are pretty big. Just remember, exclude them from your source control. Make sure your <laughs> your server blocks .env files because if you search for .env, you'll find a bazillion websites out there where mm -hmm. the, the .env files are basically wide open. Yeah, I, I showed I you that a while back and we clicked oh, yeah, on a few I, and we're like, ooh. <laughs> I'm pretty certain Apache won't serve any files that start with a dot by default, but I think Nginx and IIS both will just happily serve up any files in your web root that start with a dot, unless you've explicitly blocked them. So yeah, I mean, the worst thing in the world is, you know, you go to your site.com slash dot env, and you're like, oh, look, all my database passwords available to the public. So go to make sure you uh, keep those puppies out of source control, or at least clean up your production deploys, or you're just like handing your secrets to hackers, basically. Yeah, that, that's a common enough extension in, in the general programming world that hackers know to look for it. Yep, exactly. So just a side note with that, because yeah, you definitely want to look after yourself. <laughs> okay, so next up, we have our hints, tips and tricks of the week. And this week, we have one from another one from Ville de Ruin. So I thought since he's been busy uh, with a few other things, we'd use one of his recommendations. And so this one here is uh, called Code EOL. End and of life. What VS Code is end of life? Oh my gosh, <laughs> this changes everything. Actually, when I first saw it, I thought end of life. Maybe it was like a end of life for some of your tools. You know, like vulnerability check for you know something. I was like, oh. then I was like, nope, it's file line endings. So <laughs> end of line. Oh. End of line. Yep. So the extension just base. It's really simple. 
uh, it just displays in the line characters in your code. So it'll support the slash in, the slash r slash in, and the slash r returns, and shows different characters in your VS code so you can see what type of line endings you have. So in is new line and r is carriage return, is that correct? Yeah, so... So that's... Carriage return is, is character code 13, and new line is character code 10, right? Because CRLF so. is 10 followed by a 13. I think so, I, yeah. I so, see. So just yeah. yeah. So it just gives you the visual representation, you know. Same thing with your word, you turn on those visible characters. Uh, mm-hmm. VS Code has them for tabs and spaces already from I don't know if it's from an extension or built in, but this one just does the line endings too, and that way you can visibly see. Uh, and if you're running formatters and linters and stuff, um, you can see those changes there. So line endings do hurt, so it might be useful to have this little extension in there. So. Uh, obviously, no. formatting, you can change them. You can have auto changes with the code config and just get settings for that stuff too. So, Right. No, I've been using for a long time in all my Git repos um, the uh, .git attributes file where you you know set text equals auto and then it normalizes the, the line ending so they're stored in the Git repo as like the Unix new line or whatever the heck it is. But when you check out the code on Windows... It turns it into the Windows, you know, CRLF, and then when you commit it, it changes it back. That way, you have the line endings you expect when you're working with with a file, but when you commit it, it goes, it changes it in the repo. Yeah, but we wow. had some issues with that with the CF format. It was oh really? Yeah, it was because it you was didn't tell me about that because it was making some changes. So when we would go to format our code, it would reformat every line because when you pull it in, it would auto correct it back to windows and it would have to format them all back to go back to what they were. And why, so, why were you having auto format screw with your line endings though? Um, one of the rules in CF format was something to do with line endings or actually maybe it was just a space at the end. I don't know. Well, I know like it was we I had, never use. We had to change something uh, to get it to work. So huh. we changed it to default to slash in and then we were, had no more issues. I don't, so. yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want, I, I would never use that rule personally. Cause like, like I said, I mean, Git automatically does that for you. I, I wouldn't need CF format to manage that. Now, yeah. if you weren't, if you weren't having Git automatically manage your line endings, then sure, I guess you could have CF format do it. But yeah, I mean, that wouldn't work very well. Cause when a person on a Mac checks out the same Git repo, they get different line endings. And when a person on Windows checks out the same Git repo. So trying to have CF format screw with that obviously wouldn't work well because the Git client's going to change them all back to what they need to be when you commit anyway. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Uh, all I know is, yeah, we had some issues where we had to change the setting. So just if, thought I'd throw that if, out there. If in case by issues was... you mean use the setting you shouldn't have, and if by change the setting you mean remove the stupid setting you shouldn't have used, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I wasn't messing with the CF format. All I know is that certain <laughs> Windows people were breaking stuff. And oh, blame it on the Windows users. Well, I'm, I'm you know, yeah, I didn't user. even realize CF format did line endings. I've, I've gone through all the settings, and there's so many in there, which is, isn't a bad thing. I, I forget half of them right off. Yeah. I, love- I do love CF format. I'm, like, throwing shade at that setting, but, like, CF format is amazing, so you really should use it. Yeah. In fact, I just, I just started a new repo yesterday for a project, and the first things I did is I put in a CF format.json file. I'm, like, going to start fresh, going to keep it all formatted, you know? Yep. That's where you got to do it. We've got good times. CF format checks and I get that builds now. So when you run your tests, you also run your format checks. It's nice. Yeah. Nice. Cause uh, you can have it basically yell at you and fail the build. If the code you commit doesn't use the right, you know, spacing and formatting your teams decided on. Yep. Um, and that's what we're doing. So 
<laughs> yeah. Fun times. Yep. Builds are getting pretty, pretty cool, pretty complicated, but pretty cool. Okay. I mean, it, it's it's fun to see the tools that we have as Cold Fusion developers now. Yeah. I mean, back like you know what, ten years ago when I first started working with Coldbox and I first you know used Jenkins for the first time, um, like there wasn't much for your Jenkins build to do, right? You know, uh, if you're lucky, you had it some tests and you would run those, and you're like, well, that's it. You know, nowadays our, our Jenkins build is running CF Lint, it's running CF Format, it's running, you know, all kinds of tests, it's throwing errors if formatting isn't correct, it's, you know, pre-compiling code, it's pushing releases to Century. Um, it's just a fun time to to be a CFML developer, Gavin. All yep. the, the goodies we get to play with. I know, I'm, I'm doing stuff now with inline diffs of files so I can see what things have changed from one set of documentation to the next as we're moving out. Checking your stack files to make sure that you what you're actually pushing in your code, the environment variables exist in the swarm before you push it to the swarm. Yeah, All exactly. You've, you've written custom commands of your own design that check things that you care about and you plug into the build and yep. you get all that feedback. Yeah, bite me once. <laughs> on me bite me again I, I better write a command for that <laughs> <laughs> i haven't heard that version that's pretty good <laughs> yeah there's a task runner to fix that problem so yeah okay well comes to the end of the show where we thank our lovely patreon supporters so and you again, all are lovely we really mean that yeah i mean so, i assume you are i can't stay out the other way but i'm sure you're <laughs> lovely but uh as we said before, patreon.com slash order solutions. You can find out how to support us there. Find a package of your choosing. Uh, and again, all of that goes to supporting the podcast. And then once we meet our threshold, we're going to, the, the funds will go straight to our open source projects like command box and forge box and cold box, content box, test box, and all the other boxes. Uh, we really appreciate all the, the funds and the other support for those of you who are unable to support financially, the pull requests and tickets and everything does help too. So we, we thank you everybody. Um, but we I can't believe a, four of those Patreon supporters wore the exact same outfit. That is embarrassing, but they are superheroes. So true. <laughs> it's always in style. Yeah, exactly. So since you've been gone for a few weeks, I'll let you mispronounce the names. Woohoo! All right. We have Ben Nadel, Brett DeLine, Dali, Dan Carr, Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, Dier Lishnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Yan Yannick. Uh, and there was a psych episode last week with a Yan. <laughs> all I could think of. Uh, Jeremy Adams, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamory, Kai Koenig, Laskma T, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Ryan Hughes, Scott Steinbach, Sean Oden, Stephen Klotz, Synaptrix, that's a new one in Yogesh Mathur. Those are our current Patreon supporters. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Yep, and if you go to autosolutions.com slash about-us slash sponsors, you can see all of our sponsors there, and you can see some of our other uh, sponsors and supporters, our partners as well. So thank you, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next week right before Into the Box 2020. So... Hopefully we don't get too busy uh, making our last minute tweaks to our presentations and forget to do the podcast. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, we sh should finish all that stuff for the end of the box. Yep. So hopefully we'll uh, see you guys all next week and hopefully we'll see it into the box as well. So you guys have a great week. See you then. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, 
where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.